Welcome to the Jenny Katrin Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm excited to have another great friend of mine joining the podcast. Tyler Regan is the president of Catalyst, um, and you've probably heard me from time to time talk about Catalyst. It's been one of the organizations that has spoken into my leadership for many years. We won't talk about just how many, but uh, Catalyst is a leadership development organization that exists to unify and equip leaders who love the church. And I first connected with Catalyst um, when I was in my early 20s. I was a young leader actually in the music business and had the privilege of going to a Catalyst event. It was one of the very first ones. And I've been there almost every year since. And Tyler is now the president of Catalyst. He is a phenomenal leader. We connected, we met before uh, he was at Catalyst and he was at a church in Atlanta. We had mutual friends, were able to meet and stay connected. And then I have just respected and admired his leadership uh, through Catalyst for the last several years. So he and his family has married with two boys. They live in the Atlanta area, big golfer and a Georgia Bulldogs fan, right, Tyler? That's right. All of those things are true. All of those things are true. If you follow your Instagram account, there's a good deal of uh, <laughs> golf and football. Uh, That's right. And your boys are way right in the mix of that with you. They are. They love it. They, uh, I think they know more of the Georgia football. Well, that's not true, but they do know a lot about it. They, they love watching it, following it along. They love any sport that gets them outside. So they're, they're all in on it as well. Yeah. How old are your boys right now? Our boys are eight and eleven, and uh, and don't forget, I mean, my wife is about as big a Georgia fan as it gets too. So she, yes, she's all in. I was going to say she's she's got to be pretty legit. We haven't had the privilege of meeting, but she has got to be all in because she lives in a house of boys that are all boy, from what I yep. gather. That's right. That's right. All boy, and they love sports, and they love watching any sport like I do, and thinking about it, talking about it. So yeah, it's it, it's a good time right now. So great. That's awesome. Well, hey, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today because you are, um, when this podcast releases, it's right around the time of your brand new book, The Life-Giving Leader. So give us just a little snapshot. We're going to dive into it today, but I want you to talk a little bit about uh, just the book and your passion and your heart for it. So can you give us just kind of that, the high level perspective of what is The Life-Giving Leader and where it kind of comes from uh, for you? Yeah. So one of the, as we were, as I was starting to kind of put pen to paper and which nobody actually does. So as I was starting to type is what I meant to say, <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I just was trying to think through what, what is a way to, to explain what I'm thinking. And, and one of the things that um, we say at our events is we want grace to flow from us, not be required for us. Mm. And because of bad leadership and, you know, there are definitely times in our lives that, um, grace is required for us because we haven't led well or we haven't done something uh, in a way. And it just kind of realized that, you know, people want to be around people that bring life to them and let life and grace flow to them. And so it just kind of dawned on me, like, because originally the title was uh, the, the color of your leadership, painting who you are and how you lead. And it was the idea that great leaders come into a gray neutral space and they just bring life and vibrancy and, and uh, you know, they just, they just do, you know, that you've been there, right. You've seen right. it. Um, or it's the same thing when you start seeing the life coming out of leaders as you're coaching them and as you're teaching them, 
and they start coming to life, man, that changes the atmosphere, changes the environment. But that ended up being a chapter. It wasn't a good, it wasn't a big enough thought for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The, the main uh, real concept is that when life flows from you, when life flows, influence grows. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I'm an example of how God used that kind of principle and the fact that, you know, my competency and some of the, I, I wasn't trained or educated in like business management or running an organization. Like I never planned on doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I just loved ministry and I wanted to serve leaders and pastors and, um, and, and just Christians as a whole business leaders. And, um, next thing I know I'm, I'm leading this organization that's been around 19 years and has a huge impact in the the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I used to make fun of the fact that I was in this position until I realized that, you know, at one point I had about two followers or people that I was entrusted with and I, I cared for them and tried to put life in them. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I looked up and I have four, (laughs) you know, so you just, um, when life flows from you, influence grows. People start, um, start wanting to, they want to be around people that bring life to them and not take it from. Them. Yeah, that's so, so true. Yeah. And like what stage of your leadership did, was that kind of aha moment for you? I think we all have those, you know, in our journey, we're like, Oh wait, okay, this isn't just about me. You know, there are actual people that I'm influencing and I'm leading and there's yeah. some responsibility that comes with that. Sure. I, I feel like I've kind of, maybe it's been in, intuitive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just, and actually it's a little bit of a challenge for me too, because I, I always think about everybody else and rarely do I think about myself. So that's got its own, you know, story behind it. But, sure. um, I think for me, it was, it was probably maybe 15, 17 years ago when I really was in full-time ministry for the first time. Um, and what, I think I was a student of watching leaders handle it poorly before I was ever in a position to do it myself. Yeah. And, um, and then I was at a church and, and I was doing a little bit of everything. I didn't have any staff or anything like that. And I remember thinking, gosh, if I had a team, man, I, I would, I would just, I would just take care of them, you know? And mm. I would, it, I would, I would be off to the races if I had even just one, maybe two other people that I could really invest in. And, um, and then I just think from there, when I got that, I started realizing how important it is to take care of them and invest in them and love in them. And, um, you know, John Maxwell, uh, always says that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And yeah. um, that, that to me is the whole point of influence, you know, is you got to take care of those around you. That's so good. And I think I, I, we're probably the opposite in this regard, because of course I'm always thinking about myself before I'm thinking about others. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you get two ends of that spectrum and somewhere right. in the, is the healthy space, right? But, right. You know, it was, it was a critical moment for me of that realization that, Oh, Wow you know, this isn't just about me. And I think, you know, there are a lot of leaders like myself that I think we set out for leadership, uh, influence and opportunity, the ladder climbers among us, which is not all bad, but without an, a healthy understanding of the fact that leadership really isn't about me, it's not for me, it's really about how I'm pouring life into others. Um, th- again, I had a really distinct, like, turning point in my leadership yeah. journey and I got that. I love that that's been a little, that was a little more intuitive for you and probably why this flows so easily from you. Because as I think about, you know, we rewind probably 15 or so years, you know, that we, I'm guessing that's probably how long ago it was that you and I first met. Was it that long? Maybe it wasn't that long, maybe 12. Maybe like, yeah, 10 to 12, something like that. Something like that. It feels like a long time. I know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A lot of life has happened in our leadership. It has. Then for sure. 
but you know that you were in a you you weren't in your role at Catalyst at that point. You were serving um, at the church, and you were in a role that was a little bit more behind the scenes. Now it right. was it was a really prominent role in what you led. I mean, you were leading the, the like the service programming. Am I remembering right? right? Yep. So highly visible product, so to speak, that you are responsible for, but you were kind of the the guy behind the scenes leading the team to accomplish all of that. And I remember when we met, I was just really struck by your, you know, just your humility. It really flowed out of you, your passion and your heart for your team and your pe- the people you were leading and what you were helping the church and the organization accomplish, and you didn't need the spotlight for it. And I found that really refreshing. And I think, especially in just our culture today, and I'm sure this is true throughout the generations, but it's, I'm really aware right now of the importance of leaders really recognizing that leadership really isn't about the power and the spotlight and all of those things, that it's so much more about uh, the people that we're, we have the privilege privilege of influencing and leading. And that that's kind of the heart of what you're getting at in the book, is it not? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is a privilege, you know? Um, I think one of the things I talk about is that uh, you have to realize that every day you're coming eyeball to eyeball with, um, with God and his creation. And, and he's, you know, he's, it says we're made in the image of God. Well, he lives in us. He dwells in us. And, and uh, we take, we say all the time, especially during event season, uh, pe- people are not an interruption to your day. They're why you do what you do. Yeah. And, but so many times in ministry, we just walk right by the people that we've been called to serve right. to get the task accomplished or to get the, uh, the thing, you know, what, what if we realize as leaders, our job isn't just to accomplish a task. Maybe the task is the people right around us to make them better, to bring life to them, to invest in them, to show them what grace looks like, to show them what, uh, truth looks like, what should you know, show them how to confront in a healthy way, how to, create culture that um, makes people want to be there and be loyal and be a part of, of something, you know, bigger than themselves. And so, uh, but I think, I think Jenny, I think, um, you know, one of the chapters I talk about humility specifically, and I actually do it after uh, the chapter on confidence because the, the subtitle mm-hmm. is learning to lead from your true self. So it's, it's the idea that the most life-giving leaders um, are themselves. They're okay with themselves. Somehow along the way they've become, now it doesn't mean we're not going to push and grow and get better, mm-hmm. but it's it's embracing our Psalm one thirty nine God knit us together reality that if He knit us together in our mother's womb while looking at the breath of our life that has to be connected for us that our vocations and our yeah. our families like what we do has to be connected with who we are yes. and so um, I think when we realize that and we have the opportunity to do that for others that's pretty special. It's a, um, it's a pretty amazing calling. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in ministry, you're a banker, whether you're in insurance or you're a teacher, like it's a really important calling, uh, to just recognize the people around you need you Absolutely. and, and they need you to invest in them and you need them to invest in you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, excuse me, I think it is just a, re- a full recognition of the truth of. Uh, which way is it flowing from us, you know? And, um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Jenny. I think uh, even right now, I I realize there's a couple areas in my life that I think I've required grace and life from others. And I don't mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. you realize that's that's where, but, you know, humility comes in at that point. You go, hey, I made a mistake here, or I need to fix this, or, you know, I'm really sorry about that. But um, I recognize it, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make it right. You know, mm-hmm. that's just kind of one of those things that you do. And so, 
humility to me is, is just thinking, uh, is realizing you're about something bigger than yourself. And so, um, I think, you know, we're talking about, you know, you've released a couple books and for me, this is the first time through this process and it's weird. It's really weird because you're just, yeah. you know, you're answering questions, you do these things and, and, uh, it feels your name's on it. So it feels selfish yes. and it feels, yeah. <laughs> it feels really weird. Yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a bunch of boxes downstairs that are going to friends, you know, and you're basically going, Hey, would you post about this? Like, that's not natural for me, you know? And, uh, it's quite uncomfortable. And, and yet, um, I think it's an important, I know it's an important message. And so you it just is. have to trust the Lord in these things and, and go, okay, God, uh, yep. this is something you've, you've worked out something you've been sovereign over. And I, I want to trust you in that. Yeah. And well, and for what it's worth to you, Tyler, because I so get that tension. And I, yeah, every time I release a book, I live in that dynamic. And I remember at one point it, that was really like really tripping me up in that I didn't know how to release this thing that I felt like God had put on my heart. And obviously it opened the doors for, you know, for it to be published and released. And my husband looked at me and he said, Jen, do you believe that God gave you this message to share? Then it is not about you. It is about right. the people who, whose hands it needs to get into because there's something right. God has for them to hear through the words he gave you and you are just right. a conduit. So he was like, get out of your own way. Quit right. worried about whether people think you're trying to be self-promoting or not. If you're doing it for the right reasons, if your heart really is to share, and let's be honest, writing books looks really flashy until right. you spend hours and hours and hours, like, you know, pounding out words and editing. Sure. And like, you know, it's, it is, it is, it is a toil. It is like, it is the birthing of something that, you know, has been in your heart for a great deal of time. Yeah. So I would just, uh, I just, you know, throw my husband's words back at you to say, God has put this message on your heart. I think it's sure. really needed for leaders right now. And, uh, you know, and so to just unashamedly go, this is, it, it might have my name on it because that's what we do. You know, that's just, right. you know, right. um, but it really is what God has been. I think in, in many, I have seen you live the life giving leader, you know, so it is an overflow of the work that God has been doing in you. And yeah. that story is going to speak to all of us in really, really powerful ways. Yeah. Thank you what would you say to the person who's like, gosh, I don't know, like this is, this is kind of a big awakening for me. I don't know if my leadership is life-giving, you know, and somebody's honest, willing and honest to say, sure. I don't know if I, I don't, I've disconnected those two things. And Tyler's saying, we got to bring all of this together. Who I am and what I do has to live in, in congruence. What do you say to them? Well, I think we can take it back even further to the person that goes, I don't, I'm not a leader. Uh, yeah. And you know, I, I think, Again, I mentioned John Maxwell. He, he, he always defined leadership as influence. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so we all are. Every one of us has influence with a certain, with one person somewhere. Nice. Um, and what we do with that is our leadership journey. What we do with that, how we steward that is leadership for us, you know? And so there's a, there's a reality that, that, that we are called to steward and manage our influence well to bring God glory. And so first of all, I think we have to recognize that because you're not going to make wise decisions if you don't think that your decisions impact other people. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to this, I, I think it's one of the things that I've, I've watched in, in leadership uh, for years is especially faith-based. You'll watch men and women who will um, kind of take off their faith um, story, their faith thinking, their, their, you know, prayer life, whatever, They'll take it off to come to work 
Uh-huh. And, you know, they, they, and they'll just say, well, that's work. I got work to do. We got to get this done. And, and then they'll pick it back up on Sunday. And you realize, like, what if it was integrated? Like, what if before your board meeting, you actually spent some time praying? And, and then in the, even the board meeting, you were, you're aware of what the spirit was saying to you, where you could even just be like, Hey, John, you know, I, I just, for what it's worth, I've just been praying for you. And I felt like the Lord just wanted you to know that you're loved or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what would that do in, right. in a board meeting? What would that do in your uh, executive team meeting? Um, how would that change the culture of a place to know that the boss has been, or, you know, wherever you are in the organization has mm-hmm. actually been praying and thinking about the people around them and, and trying to love on them and serve them. Well, that's, that's an interesting thought, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, to me, it's about integration. And, and uh, one of the things I talk about in the, in the book is uh, this, this um, lady named Ronnie Ware. She was a hospice nurse down in Australia. And she asked um, on, on people's deathbed, she would say, what is your biggest regret in life? And um, it wasn't even close. There wasn't even a close second. Number one, by far, was that their biggest regret was they never were able to be themselves in a sense, that they were never their truest self. And what we realize is we get to our lives and we let our circumstances, mm-hmm. we let whatever's around us, we let our culture, we let our families, we let our workspace and dictate who we are when. Mm-hmm. And I think the most life-giving leaders have been able to weed through all that and go, no, this is me here. And this is me on the golf course. And this is me at the lake with my family. I'm the same person. Now I do different things in those environments, right. Right. but I'm the same person. And so, um, for me, it is about integration, you know, and I think the most life-giving thing you can do for you and for the people around you is embrace who your truest self is, is become okay with you. And again, doesn't mean we're not going to grow. Doesn't mean we're not going to try to get better. What it means is you're not fighting intention internally that makes it felt externally between who you are and who you, you feel like you should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. How do we like, what, how do we get there, Tyler, for the person who's yeah. like, gosh, I had the truest self. Okay. I kind of get it, but how, how do I, yeah. how do I get back to that? What would you say? So there's, there's kind of five chapters that are the steps in my opinion. Number one is that it's, 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 and you said this when you hung out with our staff, like 90% of leadership is self-awareness. So there, there's gotta be a baseline foundational thing on self-awareness. Who am I? How do I think? How do I process? What makes me tick? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. The second step for me is self-acceptance. And honestly, even though it's an early step, I think a lot of leaders stop here because mm-hmm. they don't want to be okay with themselves. Like they, they, they see on social media, everybody else and all their gifts and they go, I want that. I want that. I want that. What if yeah. you actually had a gift that everybody else could really use on the team and, and, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're, you're selling yourself short and them short. So accepting who you are, which then leads to the next one, which is confidence, having confidence. Paul says this in the beginning of Ephesians and Galatians, I, Paul, an apostle appointed by God. That's wow. not arrogance. That's right. calling. That's I a confidence. I have never looked at that statement like that. That's so good. You're right. Yeah. That's a, that's a confidence in Paul going, God called me to do this, to speak to you, to write this to you. Not, because I'm arrogant or I'm special because he called me to do it. So there's a confidence there that's really attractive to people. It's not arrogance, you know, Uh, then you have, that's why I put humility after that, because now that you've gone through those things, you actually can believe that you're here for something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what humility is all about is just going, it's not about me. And it's not that false humility of like, no, 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 no. I'm not good. I'm not, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're actually a saint who 
uh, you know, God's given the power of the resurrection. Yeah. Jesus in us, like Mm -hmm. that's a big deal, you know? And so, um, walking in humility. And then the last one is just that leaders are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jenny, I've been really, really honest about this one lately. That's the chapter I kind of didn't want to write because, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, when you write a book, then you feel accountable, uh, to these things, <laughs> but yep. you know, that, that one's been hard for me lately. If I'm honest, it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, even when it comes to diet and exercise and, and, you know, right thinking and, and what, you know, friendships and boundaries and all these things, man, that's hard work and it's constant, but yes. it's real. And yeah. to be your truest self, you got to be healthy. And so, um, anyway, that's kind of, uh, that's the five things so that I've, great. uh, walked through to help me kind of become an okay with myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that like framework. And I think it will all value so much from just digging into more of what you've written in those five things, because, you know, I do think we hear more about, you know, this idea of our true self and, and living out of that. But I think sometimes when we've gone, you know, a couple decades of life or more, without a real healthy understanding of that, then, you know, going, I, where do I even start? Like, how do I even know? I remember one season for me in particular that again, my husband, he's, you know, the loudest voice in my life of like spiritual formation, I think most times. And he said to me, Jen, what do you want? And I said, I don't know what I want because I had been so intentional in, in doing right. what everybody wanted me to do. He was like, what do you want? Like, who are you? You know, and, and it startled me because I thought I, I couldn't answer the question. And it was, right. I was lacking that sense of, you know, that truest self and really living out of that space. And so uh, I just, I think it's a gift to leaders that you've dug into this and, you know, we can benefit from it as we check out the book. What would you tell someone... Tyler, who's serving under a leader who is not life-giving. And I think we've all experienced this at some time or another, but sure. we're serving under that leader who, who isn't, you know, is, isn't aware of this and is not really life-giving. How do we navigate that? Ooh, excuse me. I just yawned. I just totally <laughs> you caught me yawning in the middle of that. That's spectacular. It. Well, it is, it um, is later in the afternoon. We'll give you, we'll maybe give you I, I need some that. caffeine or something, but, um, you know, I, there, there's a very real understanding that there's different leadership principles um, to managing a leader above you, uh, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. And um, I would just honestly point you to uh, the book that's been the most helpful for me in that, which is A Tale of Three Kings by yeah. uh, Gene Edwards. That to me is just, it's the most uh, effective communication um, and content around how do you deal with God's appointed leader, whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. And how do you stay and trust God's um, God's sovereignty in the midst of that? And so, um, you know, I for me, I, I know I've had a couple of leaders where I I wanted to kind of stand up and be like, hey, this person needs out. You need to get rid of them. Da da da. And I've remi- been reminded, you know, that's not my position. That's not my spot. That's not my decision. That's God's. And um, and so, you know, just being faithful to trust um, God in that is is a big part. And so that book really helps detail. Uh, and again, way better than I ever could. It, it just, it really helps give you some framework for, for how do you honor somebody that's not honorable, you that's know, great. Yeah. and how do you love somebody who's probably not very lovable? So, uh, that's what I would say. I'd point you to that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's, that is one of the top, you know, kind of books in my, my bookshelf of just books that have influenced me for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and I do think, I think sometimes we forget that there is a responsibility to still honor 
the people that are put in leadership over us. And so how do we do that in a, in a healthy way, even when we see these things? I, you, you referenced this earlier, but a lot of times this was true in my leader, early leadership story too. I learned a lot by watching unhealthy leaders and taking right. notes and going, okay, I need don't to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I need to remember what this felt like in my seat when a leader behaved this way. And what can I learn from this and not to be angsty and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, cause trouble organizationally, but what can I take away and learn that when I'm in that seat, I'm going to have better perspective on what it, what it felt like and how it felt like to be the person led by the not so healthy leader. Right. So right. good stuff. All right. If you could leave a leader with one message to focus on today, what would it be? You know, I, I think it goes back to what we, we've talked about, uh, and you, you believe the same thing, which is um, you got to be self-aware. Young leaders have got to pay attention to that and start. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and, and, and that comes back to is, is being able to figure out your character. What is, your, what, is the, what is the character? What is the person you want? Um, I think one of the things that I've realized even more these last few months is, uh, and this sounds a little morbid, but on my tombstone, I don't want the word catalyst anywhere near it. I don't want, you know, wherever church I've worked at or this, that, and the other, all I want on there is husband, father, and friend like that. Yeah. That's what matters to me. You know, it's a priority thing and, and self-awareness and, and creating a foundation for a lifetime of leadership based on knowing yourself and being proud of yourself of who God made you. Um, to me, that's just, that's the starting point. And you start building your character, your integrity, your humility, all that it gets built off of understanding who you are. So uh, start taking some assessments, start working on that now and just becoming a student. I mean, I know Enneagram's the hot assessment right now. You know, there's a, yeah. you, you and I both know there's a bunch of them out there. And right. what does it look like to just start learning yourself even more, you know, um, and being able to, to, to be able to articulate why I think the way I think, what bothered me about that, what didn't bother, what made me happy, you know? Um, but I, I think so many people struggle to even realize that, oh, I should take some time learning myself. Yeah, absolutely. You should. Yeah. Because uh, we need you to. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the ripple effect of our lack of self-awareness, you know, the trajectory of that can be really damaging. We And again, we've all been on the receiving end of that of leaders who haven't been self-aware and you know, we've, we've, we've experienced the shrapnel of their lack of self-awareness. And, you know, so the reverse is true. I think we are such healthier leaders when we have a greater understanding. It's not just navel gazing. It's really an understanding of who we are for the purpose of how it impacts those we're called to influence and lead. And, um, and, you know, being able to then be more life-giving in our leadership. So, yep. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. So fun to connect. I'm really, really excited about this book. And I just want to encourage everybody who's listening, uh, go order and check it out. The Life-Giving Leader, Learning to Lead from Your Truest Self. Um, Tyler, where can we get connected with you and find the book and follow along everything that you're doing? Yeah, just TylerReagan.com. And then that's the same thing on Instagram and all the social media, just R-E-A-G-I-N. But uh, Catalyst Leader, you know, is, is home base for all things Catalyst and, and what we do with leadership. So uh, come hang out with us at one of our events. And, and uh, we, you know, we'd love to serve you in some way and hopefully get you continued on this lifetime journey of leadership. Awesome. So good. I will be, this will, will uh, you, you're, if you're listening to this when it launched, this is still before the October event in Atlanta. So we would love for you to be there. I'm going to be there. I've got my tickets. And um, 
we would love for you to come and hang out and be a part of the event in Atlanta because it's always come join us yeah so good it's gonna be awesome awesome Tyler thank you so much thanks for what you do the way you're pouring into leaders we're so incredibly grateful that you are helping us lead ourselves well so we can lead others better so thank you great thanks Jenny all right Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, You need foresight for success. We will see you next time.